Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1033 of the Loft on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And today's podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. 95 calories with his carbs is only worth it if you enjoy it. Today's podcast will be part two. Yes, I say part two, which means if you're listening to this without part one, you are in the wrong place. So, Tower Jones. On the podcast with me today, always requested, always fun to talk to Tyler, but this is part two, so you'll catch up, catch up in the middle of the podcast now if you start listening here, but episode 1032 should be in your feed at the same moment. That was part one, and they are best listened together. Before we get to the rest of the conversation with Tyler, though, some news to hit on. In part one, we talked about Nate McMillan being hired officially by the Hawks on Thursday afternoon, although it was obviously why they reported before that. Elsewhere, though, on the injury front, Chris Kirchner and David Aldridge of The Athletic reported that lead assistant Melvin Hunt will not be back with the Hawks next year. His contract was reportedly up, and he re- and they also reported that he'll be exploring other opportunities. Hunt is highly respected and has been around for a long time. I'm sure he will find work. I like Melvin quite a bit, um, both personally. I think he's a good coach as well. Not a huge surprise, though, that Melvin might want his own lead assistant. You know, Usually, when you have a coaching change, you might have one or two carryovers, but a lot of times the guys will bring in their own guys. And I know McMillan was on the staff, but he did not pick the staff. He was a member of it. So we'll see what the rest of the, of the um, staff looks like. Um, as a point of reference, when Lloyd Pierce took over, the only holdover from the previous regime under Budenholz was actually Chris Gent, who's still on the staff right now. But you have Gent, you have Marlon Garnett, and others. I know Marlon's very popular with, with the players in the locker room as well, the guys that he works with. But McMillan might want that cohesion of keeping the rest of the staff in place, but they at least have one opening right now, and he's been around for so long that he has a laundry list, I'm sure, of guys that he knows and may, may, like, may like to work with. So I don't know where Melvin's going to end up at this point in time, but I'm not overly surprised that somebody on the staff was moving on just because McMillan might want to sort of put his print on that coaching staff. And uh, there'll be a vacancy to fill, and we'll see where he goes with that. Elsewhere, Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype, who's be at The Athletic, and Mike's a good friend, um, reported that Lou Williams is seeking a two-year deal in free agency. Um, of course, the Hawks might want to give him one here, if, if at all possible, given their tax stuff that we'll get into probably next week. But Lou is uh, obviously highly respected and might want multi-years as well. So that's kind of, it's only one report, but keep that in mind as well. Lou may not just come back for whatever you want to offer him. He might have a market, and uh, even at the age of 34 and potential retirement talk midseason, he, at least reportedly, might want a multi-year contract wherever he might land. So that's kind of it on the news front right now. As I said in the last podcast, Nate McMillan's supposed to talk to the media um, and also to the fans, basically in an intro press conference on Friday. I'm not going to have any live coverage of that unless he breaks massive news. I might break in with that later on, but we've had a full week on the podcast, so if he says anything else that's uh, worth rounding up, I will do that next week. But um, with all of that out of the way, and it's time to get back to Tyler, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at BetOnline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, without further ado, we are back with part two with myself and Tyler Jones. All right, Tyler, uh, let us begin part two with the big question of the offseason. Now, I, I know where you stand on John Collins. You are, if not the number one Collins enthusiast, you are on the short list. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm not even going to ask you if you wanted to bring him back. because The answer is yes on that question. Is there Obviously. is there a number or a contract structure in which you would personally balk on John Collins? Let's say, let's say the Spurs or the Hornets or whatever you want to say, the Thunder, somebody offers him the full max, three plus one, uh, trade kicker, just the worst possible contract for the Hawks to match. Do you still match it? Yeah, just because you gotta can't lose the asset for nothing at this rate. Now, do you trade him? That's a different topic. But like, match it. Like, if it comes down to it, there's no. Signing trade possibility. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, table, I'm saying a literally an offer, an, an offer sheet you has been cannot, signed. You cannot let somebody that good, somebody you develop for four years, go for nothing because that's just it's bad organ. Like it's just a, it would be bad for the organization if you don't get value out of Collins. Like that's just not, especially with all these young. Like they got. I mean, because next offseason we're going to be doing this with Kevin Herter. Yeah, I mean, like, unless, unless, get, unless they extend and, him, and, and they may, but it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee at all. Obviously, you know, Trey's gonna get done. I'm not worried about that one. But uh, Herder, yeah, I mean, given where he did in the playoffs, you think his market is a bit higher than it was going to be, and uh, you know, I guess next year they'd have even less opportunity cost because you know, you know, I've been, we've been through this a number of times, but the Hawks basically can't replace Collins at least with a similar salary slot because of where they are in the cap structure they kind of gave away that right last offseason which worked out well for them obviously with the way that bogey played in particular but it's not like they can and just gallo. replace yeah i mean yeah. gallo contributed i didn't in talk a, about a i didn't talk about gallo in the playoffs but no. uh he had some know. moments he uh stepped up and then stepped down i was gonna say de- de- defen- very, uh... defensively it was uh it was pretty rough at times but it was good it was good at times in the uh Knicks series and in the Sixers series it was just not good in the buck series i mean it was yeah the buck series was really when he was getting taken advantage of but, on- but like... honestly i would have lost a bet on gallo being okay in the first two series so like credit to him he was yeah. good for the first two series defense i mean uh, you know good's and relative they... but acceptable defensively but like in the Bucks series, they needed his off at the same time, especially when Trey went out. They really needed his shot creation ability. Oh, we saw. I think it was like the first did. half of Game Six. He had a couple threes, and like and there, there were some stretches where he had a quarter where like he was kind of it offensively. And that's one of the benefits of having Gallo is that he will get you a bucket. Like he's not afraid, and he'll also take he'll he'll take the bad shots. And if Trey's not out there, he's the only guy that's gonna take bad shots. Like I guess like, along with Bogey on some level, but you know. Uh, yeah, Bogey's uh, Bogey's decision making sometimes. Uh, no, he yeah, he's an interesting. Uh, we can get into it later. But um, ooh, no, I ooh, mean ooh. back to back to the Collins thing. Like they they just can't replace him um, if they just lose him for nothing. Which you know they I guess they could they could use him mid level. They could do some creativity with a trade or something like that. But um, one thing that I will say now is like yeah, Gallinari is a is a good player. You cannot go into next season with Gallo as your only 
you know, quality power four. I, I know Hunter, Hunter can play the four too, um, but they I mean, still can play the four. They, they still view Hunter as shown. a three. Um, yeah, and furthermore, I want DeAndre Hunter guarding uh, point guards. Well, yeah, and, that, and, and, and by the way, the so do they. I mean, I, yeah, so I, I'm, totally, like, I'm totally up I, I for it in the future. I, I, if they want to play small sometimes, or at least on a regular basis, and like the the length of Cam and DeAndre lets you do a lot of things versatility-wise, and having him play the four is definitely an option. I'm telling you that they don't view Hunter as a four right now in terms of like a primary look. And I know that's like a very popular thing, like, oh, just slide Hunter to the four, that problem solved. I get it. He, he could probably do it, but they, they don't view him that way right now. That they want him to do exactly what you just said. Like he's still their best defender. And, even and even when, by the way, even when Cam was healthy, they had DeAndre guarding the perimeter guards more than more than Reddish did. Like they, they like Hunter and, on guards. And furthermore, like on offense, like DeAndre Hunter was really good this year. Yeah, but he was really good because he was like the the biggest reason why is what we talked about was like he was really good at take because every team put their worst defender on Hunter or Bogey or they put like somebody small on Hunter and Hunter just went to work on him. I mean, he was their, he was their number four, two creator for for when he when he was on early in the year, he was their number two perimeter creator. It wasn't Bogey at that point. He was he was he was kind of shaky and then hurt. It wasn't Herder. Like they they were going to Hunter as their number two creator when Trey was on the court. Like, Trey was obviously the number one guy, but they were throwing the ball to Hunter and, like, running stuff through him, like, a pretty good amount offensively. Yep. Uh, the the DeAndre Hunter, John Collins pick and roll was really cooking, and then DeAndre Hunter got hurt. So, yeah, but, so like, all that to say, you, like... But my point, is, my point is, if you slide him to the four, like, his advantage isn't blowing by bigger guys. Like, no. he's, like he's, DeAndre, DeAndre's advantage is being bigger than his guy and shooting over him and getting to his spots. But like, and, but having like, unlike Colin having the handle from the perimeter to get to his spots instead of it just being a post up. And that's, and that's what I talk about with John in particular. Like he's got to be able to do some, like he's got to, they got to put John in more, you know, have more, if they're going to bring him back, like they, they got to use John Collins. Like they, they just do. They can't, it can't be, because he, he's too good. Like he's just too good of an offensive player to just have you know have him be your third, fourth option. Like, and I and I, th- I, I, I think Bogey- that's true. And you have it's also two. I don't know you, you got in this earlier, but it is two sided. Like I agree with you. I think the Hawks have. I've said this a number of times in the podcast, even like post game recaps and stuff. Like they got to do more with John. And also, he has to be better. Like you said earlier, with the ball in his hands on the perimeter. Like it, exactly. it, it's it's a two way street and. Yeah, he's like, I think John Collins is like, you know, a, a near max player. But if if he suddenly can create on his own with the ball in his hands, like that's another leap. And he's to his credit, he's improved a lot in a lot of different so ways much. over yeah. over the over off seasons or over you know season to season. Like his three point shooting is like legitimately. I think he's at thirty eight percent for his career now from three, and like forty the last two seasons. Like he's a real shooter. The pick and roll stuff is obvious. Like he does a lot of, and the, the post stuff that we talked about earlier is obvious. But it, it's two, it's two things. Like they can't replace him. Uh, I know it. He it might be a little bit painful on the contract, depending on who you ask. But they can't replace him. And defensively, like 
they he, need him on defense. He made a big like, leap. I mean, he's not he's not Draymond Green defensively, but like he's a I, I think he's an above average defender when he's locked in. He has some moments so, still, but I've still I believe in his defense, particularly if he's playing next to a center. Like his help side stuff, he's better on the perimeter. He's not great on the perimeter still, but he's gotten better there. And I think there's still this notion out there that in particular Collins and Herter, I heard this both. Like there's this notion that those guys are still bad defenders, and it's like you guys just start watching at this point. They're not again, they're not great, but like it's like, oh, Kevin Herter can't guard anybody. And like, have you watched Kevin Herter this year? Like he's better. He's not he's not Tony Allen, but like he's fine. So I don't know. It's just it's perception versus reality on all this stuff. But going back to what you said at the beginning, they cannot replace him. And if they lose him for nothing, they have to figure out what the plan is. And like that doesn't just make you bad immediately. But uh, it's not as simple as like, oh, Collins is going to make the max, so now we have a max salary slot. Nope, <laughs> they don't have any money to pay him. Pay yeah, else. so it's like, I mean, there were like to me being worried about future money is in shouldn't be a concern for this team right at the moment because did you see the Tony Russell quotes by the way that I uh they made they made the rounds that he gave on uh, Tuesday I saw I saw some of them um, so and I talked about this yesterday uh, on the podcast that I posted Wednesday night but it's um that kind of added fuel to the fire and my, my thought was like I think he was talking about future money and people thought people took it as uh oh, are they going to let Collins go because of what he said? And I think that's not really the same thing. What basically the gist was that he admitted, and I think this is just common sense that they can't keep everybody long term, which is something that I've been saying for two years. Like no one, no team in a rebuild, even if you nail every draft pick, you don't keep every single guy because you just no one pays that tax bill. Like it's not going to happen. Like they're going to have to move on from somebody at some point. Does that mean it's going to be Collins now? I don't think so. I think I I would bet on him staying. But at some point, whether it's Herter or a Kongwu or Reddish, somebody's going to not be there anymore. It's just going to happen. And within the next two or three years, you're not going to sign every single guy to their second contract for eight figures each. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, but like my general and overall point is that they don't have to make that decision now. Like I agree. The salary crunch isn't coming and why would you give away your best advantage which got you almost to the NBA Finals if Trey Young was healthy they might have gone to the NBA Finals due to their depth why would you give that away for something that doesn't affect you until like what four years down the road now? I mean I guess years? I guess the concern like, was I guess this I guess the concern would be I, I know how you feel but the concern would be maybe you sign him to a deal that is seen as negative and you couldn't trade him easily. Like I, I don't. For me, that isn't as big of a concern for a guy as young as John Collins is. I don't think he's going to suddenly exactly. be bad. Like exactly. yeah, maybe he won't like have huge trade value, but I don't see him being like immovable. Like that usually does not happen on a second contract. I mean, I guess the the worst quote unquote like big money second contract deal is like maybe Andrew Wiggins in recent memory and he's been moved and like, he's not great, but like he could be moved on that contract. He's not a, he's not a plus value on the contract, but we've seen that he'll, he can be traded on that deal. Like, it's not like it becomes a disaster for you in the way. Like if it was a third contract, you're talking about Kevin Love, those guys, like if he's 30, yeah, like that, that becomes a concern. But John Collins from age 24 to 27, I don't see him barring, you know, knock on wood, something weird happening 
that's not going to suddenly be a disaster contract. I don't think. I mean, he's probably going to be better. Than that's what, what I mean. Like, I mean, that's literally like this is what we talked about. He's literally just a perimeter move away from being a max max guy instead of what he is now, which is probably around the 22 to 30 million dollar range. Like he's, he's in that range of, he's a good player. Like here's the thing plus starters and all like, he's an all-star caliber player, all-star caliber basketball players. All, all of them make $30 million. Like they make around 25 to that $35 million range. And like the thing with Collins is that, you know, funny enough, they might still get him on a deal because it's interesting. I don't know how the league sees him. Like that's another thing. Right? Well, I don't know how actually, I was talking to someone that about, about this the other day, and I didn't say it on the podcast because this is, you know, it's just still secondhand stuff. But I, I generally think, and I don't have sources from every team or anything like that, but the people I've talked to around the league, I think he actually is seen in a higher light now than he was pre-playoffs, which might sound weird because he didn't average like huge numbers, but I think people were kind of impressed oh, of by his is, defense. Everybody, everybody saw him play defense. Back, like literally <laughs> not care about his shot. Attempt. And that's, I mean, it, it, it can be overblown, but I agree. Yeah. Do anything for, like he literally did everything he could to help that team win. That Sixers series, Brad, Joel Embiid took away, because Clint, he had to play alongside Clint Capella, Joel Embiid took away what Collins does best, which is rolling to the rim. There was like, the Hawks this entire playoff series went up against elite rim protection. So they took away John Collins' A game. And so you just saw John play with a lot of heart and like effort and intensity to just make winning plays. And it's like, they, I mean, the biggest comeback in Hawks history before the second biggest comeback, before the biggest, the second biggest comeback in Hawks history, <laughs> game what four? Yeah, they were down eighteen points, and then all of a sudden, John, John is like, you know, what? I'm not getting the ball. Who cares? I'm just gonna go up and dunk every every offensive rebound and opportunity I can find, and like that won them the game. Like it brought them back to life. Like they were dead. They were dead that game. Yep. I thought the series was over. And it, it would have been. If they, complete, if, they, if they lost Capella that game, it would have been over. lost his mind. Capella lost that mind, his mind that, that game. <laughs> and, like, I thought it was over. I'm like, oh, boy, they don't believe it. They don't believe in themselves anymore. You know, it's a good run. No hunter. I had my excuses going in. Like, like John just flew out of nowhere and just got a bunch of rebounds. And, like, it, that's what it takes to win in the playoffs. Like, people are like, oh, he might not be a perfect player, but he's a winning player. Like he, I go to war with John Collins. The, there was a, like, there was a lot the of thing. that. That's the thing. That's the that's the bigger rub here. Are we going to see teams with cap space throw that money? Well, I, I was I was going to say because one one of the things about if you're a Hawks fan that wants John Collins, which I think you fall in that category. Uh, if you're a Hawks fan that wants John Collins, I think personally, I think it's a good situation in that there is not the incredibly obvious team for him to go to like you, you can find some other teams that might have interest you know San Antonio's made the rounds a little bit I think Charlotte if they thought him, if, if they could play him at center they might they might do it um OKC's got money to spend and they're and he's young enough where he might make sense there but like there isn't like this slam dunk like 
I mean, I, as funny as this is, Dallas might try to sign John Collins, uh, which would I mean, be uh, ironic. I, th- I would have thought I, I thought that before, but like Dallas got other issues, so I don't. They know. they do for sure. I'm not, I, I don't I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna look for a guard. They pr- and they probably should. I mean, I, Collins would be good there, but anyway, there there are. There are teams that you can see it, but there is not this one team that's like screaming at you with an obvious max offer for John I mean, Collins. The, the biggest ones because like it, like a team like the Thunder, I don't see it only because it, I don't know if they're trying to be competitive. The, they're century. not. I mean, that's so, that's the thing. If OKC was so, ready, like, was it, ready to turn the corner, to, then sure. But like it's going to come down to winning. Even though he's super young, it's going to come down to winning teams. And like to me, I thought the biggest challengers were the Mavericks. And the Miami Heat, and he could really use them. Well, and, like, and, and obviously he's and obviously he's bigger, he's from there too, which yeah, that probably but matters. The Miami to some Heat have, but I don't know what the Miami Heat. Are, well, Miami, are all, they're do. they're always trying to find the the the, the huge name the, guy, the, the huge name, yeah. So. But and, and we'll see. I, I I think the grander point is like he might get the max from somebody. I don't know who it's going to be. But it's not as it's not as if you're just a hundred percent sure he's going to get the max from somebody. Whereas the Hawks, like it would not surprise me. If the Hawks and Collins signed a contract like August third, yeah, yeah, and I, and this is my also. I was gonna bring this up just in general with this team, like they really do like playing with each other, I, like which is they and they, I mean they really do like playing with each other, like these guys in general. So I could see something where where the Hawks and Collins come to an agreement, and even Herder. Herder and the Hawks come to an agreement. Like, well, it comes down to risk tolerance. Like, you, like, it's the same thing with Herder. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brad. Like, you know, the money is one thing, but you're not going to get it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if these guys are going to appreciate just how lucky they are to have the run that they had with this team, right? They're all saying the right like, things, but it's that's that's also different than you know. I I agree. I mean, this is like, this is a run that Brad, I, I've tried to put into context, but it's really hard. Like the fact that they were able to go Brad, to the conference finals with this they team. They were they were playing. They played. They played. You know what they played like, Brad? This team played like together. They played like a college basketball team on a <laughs> tournament run. Just all, the like bench mob going crazy. Nate, basically, since Nate McMillan took over, and like just the. The not the pretend sacrificing, right? The real sacrificing all these guys made to just make the right play, do the right thing, play as hard as you possibly can for each other to win a basketball. Like they were playing strictly to win. Don't care what the numbers are. We got we're doing whatever we can to win this damn game, right? From from Trey Young on down. Like even like Brett, Chris Dunn didn't play at all. Even Chris Dunn was still in the mix, like celebrating with the team. Like this was a it's a special unit of guys who and like y'all you guys think I'm like like chemistry stuff and like listen, you don't get this where guys truly like playing with each other to the point that they're gonna sacrifice their numbers. Uh just to have fun and win games and like, I don't know, man. Like it, that was a special. Th- this was a special run the Hawks came up with, and so like I could see something where, because like this team, like this team, this core of guys can win a title. 
they can do it. Like they can do. They have the talent. I've said it. I've said it all year. I, I've said they have the most talent. I thought they had as much talent as any team in the NBA, and they're only going to get better. And if they play like this, like if they play like they played in the playoffs throughout the regular season, they're probably they they got a good chance of having the number one overall seed in the NBA, especially with the depth they have. And so like, it's really not every guy gets to play for a contender and to play for a contender at this age at at this you know age curve for all these guys like that's really special and so like to me i'm like you know money is money but like sometimes you i mean sometimes there's just there's stuff more than money that said like i'm not i'm not I'm not saying like John should take less money or Herder should take less money no they should take as much money as they can get but, like <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's their that's what they're owed, like, and their employees, like, they got to remember that at the same time. But, you know, man, it, I, I, like, to me, Brad, like, I don't know how you can be a Hawks fan and want any part of this team to be broken up for any reason at the moment. Like, I want to see these guys run it back. Yeah, I think that's a common sense. I mean, honestly, even, at least this is anecdotal, but I think even people in my mentions that didn't want to pay Collins two months ago, are kind of on the run it back train now for the most part that I've seen just because of how well they coalesced and how well they this run came together. And that, I mean, they, and also this is not the podcast for it, but like they can also add to the team with the mid-level if they want to. Exactly. If they bring back Collins, they still have the mid-level exception to use and that can get you a rotation guy. Like, and that means you can bring back the entire team and then add a rotation guy and also you know knock on wood they would probably have to be projected to be a little bit healthier than last year given how ugly the health was all, all about season um so can we talk about that for a bit brad sure i think that's the thing that annoyed me the most it's how people talked about <laughs> how they got healthier just this i know you love that i know, I know you how love they that how they got healthy they finally got healthy i'm like man what what playoff team loses a guy as good as DeAndre Hunter and their playoff run not immediately be over. That's what should have happened. Like, if we want to be honest, once DeAndre Hunter went out, they should have been done. Should have been, it should have been over. They could have won the title this year without DeAndre Hunter. I, I don't care about the injuries to the West Western Conference team. Hawks didn't play those teams. Hawks played in the East. <laughs> Everybody they played was Rose. The Bucks were more healthy even when Giannis got hurt, like that's, oh my God, like do people not understand, like just the trickle down effect of everybody being missing time for extended periods of time throughout the season. Like there's so much stuff they left on the table. Bogey and Collins didn't have any chemistry on the pick and roll. And why was that? Because Bogey was hurt the first half of the year. And the second half of the year when Bogey got hot, John Collins was hurt. Like, Okongwu and Collins never played with each other for much of the season. Lou Williams and John Collins didn't play with each other for much of the season. Uh, I mean, we were, how many lines did the Hawks throw out there only play like five minutes? They, the season? Yeah, like the, they, were, they were playing they lineups were, in, in the Philly Mason series. Miller was throwing stuff in the at the wall hoping something would work against the Phillies and the Bucks. I mean, Gallo, Gallo, Gallo played extensively at the three against Philadelphia. Which, I, I know, I know it was Philadelphia, and I, I said this too. But and that was a matchup that they couldn't have used against a lot of teams. But the fact that they were able to play Gallo at the three for like ten plus minutes a night 
in a playoff series. Like, that happened. That's just one example. But after watching Gallo this season uh, not be able to play the three, we'll just say, um, him him doing that as a primary look in that series tells you all you need to know. Like, they, they were having to do crazy stuff because they didn't have not just Hunter, but you throw in Reddish, and, you know, Reddish is a you know polarizing guy in some respects. But, like, not having either of them for, if nothing else, the entire Philly series, they had neither of them. And then Chris Dunn never playing this year, basically the entire season. Even Brandon Goodwin, like this, that's a small thing. They could they could they could have used him in the playoffs. Huge. Yeah, they really could have used them against the Bucks because they just didn't have anybody who could blow by a man, get to the rim. Like they didn't have that option anymore when Trey so, Young went out. So yeah, and I mean, that was all, all those guys. And he, I, I know every team has injuries. I, I, I'm the first person to say that, but. They never. I mean, but you had you, their group. If you statistically, if you statistically look at it, they were they were top not, they were top three or something like that. The, in injuries, it was, this year. it was the Hawks and the Nets one and one yeah. and two relative to like the caliber of basketball player that was missing. Time. Well, right, and and the Hawks Nets and, and the Nets also then, like built their team to 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 the point where they always had a star on the floor. Like it's a little easier to do that when you have three max guys like that. And like, yeah, they had a bunch of injuries even to those guys, but. Even in their playoff run, they still had one of them on the court, and Trey is only the only guy like that on the Hawks roster. And Trey was relatively healthy this year, which is a good thing. But everybody else was banged up at some level. Um, so I don't know. It's it's also something we've talked about a lot, but it shouldn't be ignored. Before we get back to myself and Tyler, we're from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's something for absolutely everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites. But if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and available this week only from July 6th through 9. Get the new Built Bar flavor. It's grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? Well, this is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. My favorite flavor always changes, but this is one of my favorites. It's fantastic. And if you haven't tried all of the flavors just yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get to choose. We'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 or 5 grams of sugar and only 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. If you order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like, Built Bar is the place to do that. And it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, get 15% off on your next order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's 15% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Bogey wasn't bogey until Trey Young got hurt in the playoffs. Like, oh, uh, like oh, in the, the playoffs, Knicks, he was fine. And he was. Uh, and the thing is, even when he was better late in the series, he admitted he couldn't drive to his right. Like he, his knee is not right. I mean, there's no question about that. By the time people listen to this, they might even know more about that because he's supposed to get a second opinion on all that stuff. But he's not been healthy f- for the final two series, basically. Um, and then you throw in Hunter just completely not being there and et cetera. So they spent they spent a real like two year deal on Chris Dunn and he basically gave them nothing this season. That's just one example. He wasn't supposed to be like a core core piece, but they would have liked to have something from Chris Dunn this year, and it just never happened because he wasn't ever healthy. 
so he didn't get like Chris Dunn didn't get healthy. Like I think Chris Dunn was the biggest one because he just didn't get healthy at the right time. He like couldn't. he got healthy exactly at the time where the Hawks could not afford couldn't to play him. Like yeah. Tinker, they no. couldn't tinker with him because he's a unique player. People keep asking he, me that too. Like, like Chris Dunn's like, off the injury report. I'm like, listen, when you're in a mode and people forget this now. I know you don't. But the Hawks were in like must-win mode for the final like month of the season. They had to, they had to win. They couldn't fool around. And with McMillan coaching for a job and coaching for the playoffs and all that stuff, like once Dunn got healthy, quote unquote, being healthy and being ready to play in the rotation are not the same thing. Which is go back to the, that's why at least that's part of why Reddish was so impressive because being able to play physically does not mean you can play. <laughs> in the game uh, at that level. And Chris Dunn showed that. I mean, honestly, that's not even a shade of Chris Dunn. I, I like that signing. I still like Chris Dunn. But when he got put in there, you saw like, oh, I haven't played basketball in a year and a half. <laughs> and like, it's very obvious that I'm not ready to play right now. Yeah, he couldn't do anything. I mean, yeah. and, I, and I like Chris Dunn, but that's what happens when you don't play for that much time and you have no rhythm at all. Like, sorry, Chris, you can't be out there anymore. And I felt bad, but it's like, man, they, they can't play him. It's just not going to work. So, Long story short, they're going to be deep next year. Even if, Honestly, if they lose, Collins are still pretty deep. But he's a big loss. I mean, they just can't – there's financial stuff. I, I mean, I know you're high on him and all that stuff. We'll see what happens Listen to me, I'm, I'm, this, this is my my thing. Travis Schlenk, you built a team that can win a title. Like, you did. If you can get to the NBA Finals, which I think this Hawks team can do, you can win a championship. I mean, they, they obviously they obviously could. I mean, they were they were two wins away from making the finals. Um, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it's not like I, I actually talked about this yesterday on the podcast, but they're not going to get their respect in the market. They're not going to pick people not going to pick them to make the finals. But anytime you get that close with a team that is as young as it was, and with the injuries it had, like yeah, you have to like next year's this goal. Is my thought. Like this next, is this is going this this Hawks team right now. That 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 had the best run in Hawks, like might be the best Hawks team in franchise history. I think they are, just due to do what they did in the playoffs. It's the worst Hawks team they're going to have in like the next decade. Well, you would hope, and that's, and that's because the thing, like like, he, he, and like here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest takeaway from the playoffs, and we haven't mentioned his name. Trey Young, he's pretty, played he's pretty good, huh? <laughs> at an MVP level at the playoffs, flat out. Against great defenses, it didn't matter. He was absolutely incredible, and you saw, you saw what Trey can do if he can limit the turnovers. All of a sudden, like he, he's just a different caliber basketball player than what he showed. Um, and if he can get, like, if he can just get a bit more consistent with the three pointer, like he can win multiple MVPs in this league, and like. Yeah, like it's, very, it's very on brand that, I, that we waited an hour to talk about him. But it's uh, – you're right. I mean <laughs> – I mean, he look what he did to Drew Holiday. He, no, nobody had – nobody had – I mean, that, that was the biggest thing. Even if you want to say all the stuff we said about Collins, et cetera, like the biggest individual takeaway from the playoffs, like in terms of a single player – is is gotta be what what Trey did because you know I, I know you've always it didn't believed in him, scheme. but it didn't matter. It didn't like, matter the scheme. No. Didn't matter the player. Didn't matter. It didn't matter what teams tried to do to get in his head. Didn't matter if they're trying to be physical, if they're trying to lay off, if they're trying to be nice to him, if they were trying to rattle him. Didn't matter. He 
he gave them all buckets regardless of what what their demeanor was. He played as he played, he played at a star level. I mean, that's that's flat out what it, I mean. And also, here's the other thing. This is he played better at a star level, like no super 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 superstar super level. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I wasn't trying to give degrees there. I'm, I'm superstar level, no question about it. It's um, and here's the other thing about this. And this is it's a lesser concern. But Trey was like feisty defensively in the playoffs. Like not not great. But the fact that they Trey him, wasn't they call it Brad. They call him two way Trey now. Oh come on. Okay okay that's fine. That's fine. But no, no, listen. I don't know man. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. To, look, I'm trying I, to credit all this because time, all this time I, I had these experts. Brad, tell me. Oh here we go with the experts. That you couldn't play <laughs> Trey like Trey Young. Just his game's not suited for the playoffs. He's too weak, too small. Every team's going to take advantage of him on defense. No, I was uh, honestly, you know, this it, is on brand for me. I don't know about that but one. But I was, I wanted to make sure people understood that, like, no one is saying Trey Young is Gary Payton, but he he was not the glaring weakness that people thought, including me, that he might be in the playoffs. He played hard defensively, which was honestly that's half the battle for him because he's smart. He knows what he knows what to do. Like, yeah, he's got some weaknesses that they're never going to stop because he's because he is small, unless it's defensively. But he was engaged. He was pesky defensively. Like, he was what the Hawks could have hoped he would be defensively, and that's not as important as his I offense. I mean, no, nobody, cares about, nobody cares about this, but a, um, a sneaky thing of why Ben Simmons couldn't get anything going in transition was Trey Young just doing being, subtle things. Being in the way, yep. Just being in the way. Being in the way and also, like, being unpredictable in a way that Ben Simmons just couldn't, like, like he just couldn't. He had to slow down, and that's all it took. Like that's all Trey Young has to do is just make guys slow down so that the help can come. If you watch, like, yeah, that's if, what he did. If you watched, he and, didn't. He didn't kill them. I mean, that's and that's a that's a low bar. But he just he didn't he didn't. And if you factor in his offense being as good as it was, like and you also factor in like they didn't have their best perimeter defenders out there with them. Like no, I mean he's yeah, gonna be even better with with Huntering and and. Uh, and Reddish available. You you would like, think, and, and the, the, the only caveat is like, yeah, they, they didn't they didn't see an offense that was like built to take advantage of him. Like if, if they had played Brooklyn, it would, it, would, it would have been a bigger my, a, a bigger a bigger a bigger test. But my counter, my counter to that is they also didn't face a single bad defense. No, every oh no no his his offense his offense is unassailable every, at this point. Every defense the Hawks played took away. What they what they wanted to do best, which is pick and roll. They took away consistently what the Hawks want to do. They played the three of the ten best defenses in the league in the playoffs. I mean, the Knicks were definitely a regular season defense, but they were still good defensively. And then Philly, they were they were grind- Philly's really Knicks good were grinding the Hawks. Yeah, Philly was grinding the Hawks in the Bucks. Like the Bucks when Trey was out there, like they they the Bucks they, are good. Had, defense. I mean, the Bucks are currently right now the number one defense in the playoffs. And, and they played like it. And yeah, the they're, played they're like really it. good. I mean, offensively, they're not as impressive. But defensively, like, they're they're real. So, like, honestly, if anyone tries to tell you that, like, they're worried about Trey Young's offense now in the playoffs, like, just get out of here. Like, I'm sorry. There's no concern whatsoever defensively. Like, and he was pretty good. So, honestly, full stop, you can't rationally think or maybe expect you couldn't have, you couldn't have rationally expected anything more from Trey Young in his first playoffs. He was incredible. That's that's it for me. Like just leave it there. Like he he was incredible in his first playoffs, and given his age and his talent level, if anything, you might think he might even get better, which is 
Great. Well, I mean, sad, sadly, he's not he's not good enough for Team USA. So, oh, here we go with Team USA. Uh, Bro, I hope they lose. Hate that crap team. Well, how, how about how about how about this? Uh, the opening ceremony is like the day after Game Seven of the Finals, and three guys playing in the finals are on the Olympic team. Yeah, well, you know they don't. Man, I really want Trey Young to. Trey Young was giving them boys work. Well, here's really here's, here's the counter. I mean, here, here's, I really here's the Hawks wanted, counter. Re- <laughs> the the Hawks, the Hawks counter would be, if I'm a Hawks fan, I wouldn't want Trey to go to the Olympics on a, well, on, yeah. on, on a super short off season. I'd be like, you know what, Trey, just lay down for a while. I'm good. But he's not going to lay down. I know. I know he's not. He, he he likes to play basketball. I mean, this is the same guy who was on video playing in a pandemic in a maskless arena in Oklahoma. Before, in Oklahoma. before we knew, before we knew what everything COVID could entail, uh, this man, he can't he cannot play. Went I mean, back to Norman, and, and you gotta love. Honestly, you gotta uh, that that aside, you gotta love it. Trey Trey just likes to play, man. He's gonna play. Um, so no, it's. Uh, there are pros and cons to him not playing the Olympics. Is all I'm gonna say. Like, it's not a bad thing that he doesn't have to go straight there from I mean, the season. It, it's, it's good for me because I can just uh, completely ignore the. You can tap the out. Olympics Listen, now. actually, I think oh, yeah. you got you got root for Italy now. Gallo, Gallo's playing for Gallo's playing for Italy. That's your uh, that's your that's your rooting interest is, uh, I mean, is Gallo. Gallo just Gallo needs to get the get the reps in. You know, just stay in some type. Of he does not need to get reps in. Gallo is 32 years old. Gallo is on chill. He's not need to get reps in. But I understand. Man, he's got to he's got to keep that cardio up. Oh lord, because it can get it can get worse. Yeah, it can get I, worse I, I guess I guess it like, can. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, we've we've gone on forever. Uh, anything else you're looking at this offseason? Obviously, Collins is the number one decision. We all we all know that Trey's gonna get his extension. That's also gonna happen. Backup point guard thoughts, uh, draft thought. We 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 can we can do this again later. But this is a short offseason, man. Like anything you're looking at beyond Collins uh, in terms of like pivot points, like. Travis mentioned back a point I'd, guard, but yeah, yeah, I'd be surprised if Lou Williams isn't back. Even though I think they could find a, an upgrade for him, but I don't know. Like I said, man, he he, uh, he did his job right. But like the backup point guard issue isn't a isn't a matter of quality. It's more like the backup point guard issue will be solved if uh, DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish show to be. Or Kevin Herter, even Kevin Herter. Like if Kevin Herter plays like this, he's the best backup point guard in the NBA. If he if he plays with this aggression consistently, why can't Kevin Herter be the backup point guard for this team? To me, this is the Kevin like what he showed in the playoffs. I'm like he ain't got no excuse. Why why can't he do it? So I'm I, that's that's where I'm at. Like right now, I'm like I don't know. It's tough for this team because it's. It's like uh, I, I kind of, I really like what Kevin Herter did on the ball a lot more. Um, in, in these playoffs, I think he can do it, but you know, you you probably want something better. So either whether they fix it through the draft or that's why I'm like, Lou Williams is a stopgap where you're not committed to one guy, um, and you can you can still experiment with like Herter or uh, Cam Reddish as your backup one if they if they show show that ability but outside of Lou at backup I don't know backup point guard is such a tricky position I feel like well I mean they they have the mid-level if they want to use it 
um, on like a real guy like your your TJ McConnell types or campaign or whatever you want to say. Yeah, but like, is TJ McConnell fixing what? Hawks when Trey Young goes off the floor. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's there's two schools of thought about backup guard behind Trey Young. One, one school is you try to find someone who can do the same stuff Trey does, just a little bit worse. Like you try impossible. Well, obviously, but but you know what I mean. Like there's that there's the school of like maybe you can still run the same stuff that Trey does um, with someone that's more offense focused, like Sharif Cooper, for instance. Is like a, that theory. It's like, all right, he can't play with Trey, but maybe he can replicate a little bit of what that is. Or you have the second school of thought of what you kind of said before, like use Herter, use Bogdanovich, use those guys, and like try to and try to get someone who's more of a maybe can play with Trey a little bit, more of a stopgap, like your George Hill, not not actually George Hill, but that kind of type of guy, like Jared Butler's a draft like a, guy like this. Um, wrist done, perhaps? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, in theory. Um, but even somebody that's like a, a better shooter than that, like somebody that's more of that combo guard type that could just be out there, manage the game, shoot, maybe play with Trey and play defense. So th- those are kind of the archetypes you're looking for. I don't know, what, I don't know which one they want, honestly, because – Back at point guard, as we've all talked about forever, has been this wasteland for the Hawks in the Trey Young era since Jeremy Lin was gone, uh, basically. So I don't know what they're going to try to do there. If it's Lou, it's Lou. I don't know. Um, but if it's not Lou, like, do I they just run it back Lou. with That's Chris Dunn? I don't, or, I don't know. I, don't, I, I really don't hate Lou at that role, especially if you can get some more chemistry uh, with Collins in particular. I really think they left a lot of meat on the table not developing – a Collins Lou pick and roll, well, and, and, and maybe you go with like if, if it is, but Lou, they couldn't they couldn't do it they couldn't do it because you know the Pangallo. Well, and, and, and one thing they're also dollars. they also tried to uh, both Travis said this and I think a couple players did too. Uh, Lou and Akongwu have a good relationship, and um, that was very evident. Like even off the court, like they've kind of praised Lou for his work with Akongwu. Um, you know that's not that's not that's not all the reason to, to bring him back, but that would not surprise me at all if they did that. And I think they could do worse than Lou um, for next year as a backup point guard. Like he he'd be totally fine in that role. Like he's not going to change your life at this point in his career. I mean, he can, one but, he can shoot, and two like he doesn't completely like mothball. Well, you you can you can run you can run your you can run your state your similar stuff with Lou. Like Lou's not Trey. No one thinks no one no one thinks Lou's Trey. But Lou can run your offense and be your guy with the ball in his hands. He's capable of doing that. And you have enough, um, you have enough ball movement elsewhere to where Lou doesn't just kill your offensive flow either. Like you have Herder or you have whoever they're going to stagger with them and all that stuff. Um, where it's not just the Lou show. That's the question with Lou is like in his earliest career, it's like it becomes the Lou offense. But with the Hawks, it doesn't have to be the Lou offense. Like it's fine. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm not married to bringing Lou back, but I also think that if yeah, Lou wants married, to be back, he probably will Lou, be. But yeah, I, I, I think I think I feel like I feel like to me, I feel like I, I just don't think the impact on for the team is going to get better because, like, really, Lou Bogey minutes without Trey were actually pretty good, and uh, if Bogey get back to being healthy again. Which like, uh, yeah, that, you, you would hope that, that that's something that that could work. And if Herder plays like at this level, there's no reason why Kevin Herder, Lou Williams backcourt for your second unit can't do some damage. Well, and also uh, people have to think, understand this too. Like about the middle level exception option is that for better or worse, players know that 
if you're signing the odds to be the backup point guard with the Hawks, your role just isn't that big, man. Like, it, your role exactly. is what it is because unless you unless like, you find that guy who can play with Trey, and that's that's the ultimate holy grail guy is like guy who's six five that can play with Trey. And if you 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 said it before, you might it might just be Kevin Herter, but unless you find that guy, the role you're getting them is fourteen minutes a night, twelve minutes a night, and that's just not that, that's not yeah. that, that not that exciting for like T.J. McConnell or campaign. Like if they if they have the same money somewhere else, they're gonna go somewhere else for for a bigger role. Yeah, I'm like, are are you gonna are you gonna uh, shell out the cash and the assets it's going to take to get Lonzo Ball. Well, um, that, well that, like, and that's that's the uh, that's the super duper high end option for this because he, like, because you can play with you can play with you're going to play pay Lonzo Ball twenty plus million dollars to well, likely be, come off the bench. Well, and also uh, just spoiler no way, spoiler alert no if, if if they if they if they did that I don't know I'm not sure how they do it like mechanically. Um, that's that's the move you try to do if you don't bring back Collins. It's something like that. Exactly. You know what I mean? They're not going to be able to bring back Collins and then also make another splash. I don't think. I mean, and if they did, it would be like a, I mean, a, a could, consolidation trade. It'd be a trade. It'd be they, like, it'd be a to, package deal like, kind of thing. Yeah. They don't have the money to Somebody do anything else. I mean, if you bring back Collins, the only way to make another splash is to do a trade. I mean, people always ask me about like, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Carl Anthony Towns or one of those guys like, all right, well, cool. Get, but. get those out your brain. Get, get those out. But like... <laughs> Something they also need to look at is if a good Capella. Man, I really like what Capella could did all season, but I think it's going to be next year that that, that comes up because I, I know they, you're going to go but there. They should they should always keep the eye out. For well, the eventually, I mean, eventually, and that's that's the thing. If 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 a Kong will becomes who you think they're going to, he's going to become, like, eventually you have to start looking at that transition, and it's not going to be. I'd be surprised if it was now. Given where they are and how well they did this year, all that stuff, I'd be I'd be pretty shocked that they move on from Capella. But eventually, they're going to have to think about doing that because you don't use the number six pick, number six pick in the draft on a guy you like that shows a bunch of flashes I mean, they, and then just in, play him. In general, not it's not just Capella, like Bogey and uh, Gallinari as well. Like if you know. Well, Gall- Gallo's the one. I mean, Gallo's one for me anyway. Like he gives you a good element. But Gallinari is non guaranteed the following is season. Absolutely worth every penny that he's earned. I'm not saying he's not. Players. I'm saying if you're gonna if there's but, any, if there's anybody that they have right now that is movable and might need to be moved, it would be Gallo because of the money he's making and the role that he's in. Because he's in for better or worse, he's in the smallest role of those guys. And he's the oldest, uh all that stuff. It's just hard to but, it's hard to invest fifty million dollars at Power Forward. But here's the thing: since it's his deal is almost up already, like it's a non-issue. It's one, yeah. So, it's like, well, no, I, I, that's the thing. Yeah, like it's fifty million dollars, but like we're not. I mean, yeah, but the Hawks spent like eight draft picks. Well, and wins, and so, the like, the year, and as I as I actually said yesterday on the podcast too, this coming season is not a tax concern whatsoever. It's the following. Yeah, year. no. So it's not a. This like even if they give if they, if, if they give Collins the max. This offseason, which is like he gets the absolute max he can get, the tax is still not a concern for this year. It becomes it becomes one the following year when Trey's making thirty plus million, but this year when Trey's on his rookie on his rookie deal, and so is Kevin Herter, and so is Reddish, and so is Hunter, and Kongwu, the tax is not a concern this year coming up. It's the year. After and also, that. Collins on the little max. He's not on the yes. Super. And, and unlike unlike Trey, who might get the super because he 
should make all NBA next year. We'll see. Well, we'll um, see. We'll see. We'll but see. regardless, they'll, they'll find a new excuse, Brad. They'll find a new <laughs> uh, let's let's sign off on this. You remember when Trey Young was wasn't an All Star this year? That happened. So. I mean, we had to get Vooch. You remember? Had to give had to give Vooch in Vooch there and Sabonis and Sabonis. Those those two guys. Oh, the Magic. The Bulls gave up two first round picks for Vucevic they to did. not make the playoffs. They sure did. And the now, Collins, uh, the Hawks got Capella for one. Oh, and one and it was one middling pick. pick. Yeah, one middling yeah. pick for Capella. They gave up a lottery pick. Yep. That's insane. But I mean, when you compare two All Stars. And uh, yeah, I mean, for all of the oh, uh, no. all, all the process stuff that has been a little weird with Travis Schlank at times, Travis Schlank uh, is batting one thousand on top twenty nine picks. So <laughs> I will leave I will I will, not, leave, I will leave Amari I will leave Amari Spellman out of this, but top twenty nine picks, uh, he is batting a thousand on those. Hey, Amen. So. He was the second coming of Draymond, according to Amari Spellman. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, he was. But uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's been a heck, it's been a heck of a run. We can get we're getting the draft stuff in the next couple of weeks as well. And I know for a fact you don't have takes on the draft yet because there's no way. So, uh, I mean, I had Kai Jones, but I I think like he's I, 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 I think I think he'll be gone by then. Yeah, and yeah, Kai Jones so would be uh, fascinating actually for the for the Hawks as a he's kind of a center but kind of not. Uh, they kind of need that player. They kind of need a tweener like I mean, that to pair. Yeah, with Collins yeah, and a so. but, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later on. I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple of weeks to uh, get prepared on your on your Sharif Cooper, Trey Mann, uh, Kessler Edwards takes, and we'll uh, we'll do that later on. I guess is, is Sharif Cooper six five? I, I don't think so. I, I was not nah, trying to pick on Sharif when I, when that happened. I got people got mad at me. I was like, guys, I'm not trying to say he's bad or anything. He's just there's no way the man is six five. I'm, I'm sorry. If there's pictures of him next to Bruce Pearl, and Bruce Pearl's as tall as he is, and Bruce Pearl is not six five, so um, I like Sharif. It's a weird fit. In the, it's a weird fit with the Hawks because he cannot, I mean, he cannot play. He cannot play with, play with Trey Young. Yeah, he's I mean Trey Young without the jump. No, I, I like honestly in a vacuum. In a vacuum, Sharif Cooper at twenty is totally fine. Man, if there are teams that need shot creation and pass on Sharif Cooper, they do not deserve. They deserve to always be losers. Like, I, li- I, like, I, Sharif, I, I like Sharif. I, I believe listen, man, it's hard, I'm, I'm it's hard to be as like bad of a ma- shooter as he is. If the, magic, if the Magic, with their two first-round draft picks, oh, they won't do it. don't take they won't do it. a shot creator, they won't. They, they, need to be, they need to be expelled from the league. It's the same front what office. what are they doing? It's the same front office. They're going to do what something they else. They're gonna draft. They're gonna draft another wing who can't score. They're gonna draft. They're gonna draft Scotty. They're gonna draft Scotty Barnes and somebody else. Like to me, Brad, I don't know how you can watch Trey Young and then look at Sharif Cooper (laughs) and be like, "Nah, man, he's gonna be late twenties. I don't care if he can't shoot. I need you need somebody who can make stuff happen for your team, man. Just in general, like and like to get like somebody as talented as him." In the twenties, like I wouldn't be mad at Schlenk. if he's there, and the Hawks take him. Like I know you can't play him alongside Trey Young, but the talent, like the talent, is unreal with him. Um, but uh, that's my one draft pick. We can talk about that later. We'll come back to it. But uh, I, I knew you had something. On, I knew you had something there on, on Sharif, lo- the local product that he is. McKeechan's so. own. Yeah, McKeechan's own. You know. 
All right, Tyler. Well, thank you for doing this, man. It's going to be two parts, as I told you before, and we'll get into all this stuff. But uh, anything else you got, you got going on Twitter? Um, firing away now that the season's over? Man, work. Now, that's a podcast for another time. But uh, day, day outside jobs, of that, I ain't day, got day, nothing. Day jobs are a podcast for another time. I, I agree with you. You know, I announced my uh, resignation for Peachtree Hoops in part because I have I have a day job and things are – it's real, man. You got to work. got to work for a living. It's not, it's not, it's not yeah. a lot of fun sometimes, but basketball's fun, usually, sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, because heck of a run for you, Brad, though, on Peachtree. Like, that's a – It was fun. You had a run. Uh, I, wish I, could run. Still, I wish I could keep doing it. I wish I, wish I had time, honestly, to keep keep it rolling. But it's going to be good. I, Zach's going to do, do a good job. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, and uh, I'll be writing something. I don't know. I don't know where I'll write, but I'll write some somewhere. Notes probably after this podcast. It's probably all, all the writing I'll do for a while, but – It'll happen, but I appreciate you, sir. Uh, yeah, we'll do this again either right before the draft or after it or whatever we want to do, but you'll be back. I promise. People always want you to come on the podcast, so I got to give them what they want. I'll try to come when I can, guys. <laughs> He's busy, but man. Tyler's got a job. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm busy. I'm a lot busier than I used to be. When I first started potting, I had all the time in the world. Now, <laughs> Now you're working until 9 o'clock at night. So, um, Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Check out Tyler if you would like to at Jonesy2x4 on the Twitter machine. Follow this podcast at Locked on Hawks, and we'll see you all next time.